Welcome, everyone, to the AI and Business Podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Daniel Fagella, Emerge CEO and Head of Research, returns to the show to host today's conversation as part of a special series on winning executive buy-in. Today's guest is partner in data analytics in AI at PricewaterhouseCooper, Brett Greenstein. Brett returns to the program to share best practices for selling the C-suite on AI initiatives and how to communicate in ways that are tailored to executives for making the transition from what he describes as quote-unquote spreadsheets and gut feelings to truly data-driven insights. Without further ado, here's their conversation. So Brett, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, Jen. Glad to be here. Today, we are diving into the topic of winning executive buy-in for AI projects. So much to go into here. And you and I had a great interview close to a year ago now, crazy to, to, to think, around this topic for one of our other podcast shows. But now we're hitting it nail on the head. Before we get into how to win this buy-in, talk a little bit about the challenges and importance of communication when it comes to moving an AI project forward, because I know you've seen so much of this up close. You can't possibly under-communicate on this. And the, the problem is that so many of the business leaders today didn't grow up, obviously, in a time of AI. They didn't build their skill sets around even data. They've been managing you know, businesses through spreadsheets and gut feeling for a very long time. And for a lot of markets, that was sufficient. So the communications is first and foremost really about making sure people are comfortable with what you're proposing and how the technology works and perhaps how it contrasts with how they made decisions in the past. So, you know, understanding awareness gets rid of the fear and the, and the fear is what prevents a lot of progress. And that fear comes from not understanding. So I think just this communication part, it's so important. You have to do it in the language of the business stakeholder. And that I think is immediately the most challenging part of this, because most people want to talk about how the tech works instead of what it can do why it is different, how it is better than what they did before, and how they can use it to make really great decisions. It's important to over-communicate. Over-communication kind of alleviates some of the fear. It's important to use the language of business folks. We speak here at Emerge sometimes, I mean, in terms of our editorial guidelines, there's really two mandates. One is, does this piece communicate the before and after workflow? So the workflow change, you know, what does it look like before AI? What does it look like after? Or second, does it communicate some kind of a P&L or ROI impact of this technology? And if it's neither, then we just don't publish it. That's kind of the rule here. There might mm -hmm. be even more ways to frame things in business's language. You know, we have kind of workflow, ROI. Are there other rules of thumb you like to bear in mind? You're talking to technical people or people that are close to the tech. Say, hey, you know, you really should communicate in this way. Any other tidbits you like to put out on them that, that you would kind of advise? I, you know, I, I love to talk to business users about how they could do something their competitors probably do that they are unable to do now. And once you show people that it's possible to do this, they're usually blown away. One of the things we're working on is a project that collects customer data. And this is the kind of customer data that's publicly available data, but it's in multiple places. And when you bring it together, it creates a really clear picture of what one of our customers, customers may do. And it is amazing to me how much people think they understand their customers until they actually see the data and they just find all these counterintuitive things. For example, there's one customer industrial company 
and their customers order pretty steadily in batches of a certain size. And the customer has no idea that if they were to order in a different batch size or a different frequency, they would get more predictable deliveries of the product. So the customer didn't know that ordering in a different way would help. And the company that serviced those customers had no idea that they could better service their customers. It, it came down to what is an optimal batch size and ordering frequency in order to get the maximum fulfillment. It's a question that required both the customer and the business data together and the supply chain and, and manufacturing data, put it all together and come up with an optimal solution. People realized they were just getting a good enough solution and they had no idea they were missing it. Yeah. And it sounds like being able to see that data clearly helps to spark the conversation, right? Because then you're not coming to the table and saying, hey, I've got magical AI, AI can, that can do these things that you don't understand. It's, hey, here's the data in black and white. Here's what it's telling us. Here's what the possibilities are. Is a much more compelling kind of co-creative way to wake up a conversation stream. You let me know if there's something else you want to add to that, but this is kind of what I'm picking up from you. Well, I'd add one other thing, and that is the external data that's available about markets, about geographies, about products, about weather and end customers is so much richer than it was even two years ago. And so for companies that aren't buying and acquiring and using all that external data or generating it themselves through mobile apps and other tracking, they're missing a huge window into the behavior of, of customers, which could help you serve the customer better. It's not just about you making more money, which you'll do, but to serve people better is to understand them better. And so the more data you have, the better likely you are to be able to do that. And I think a lot of people focus on the data they generate and control internally and not all the external data sources that are available that when combined could give you a much better way to serve. Well, let's, let's pull this back to the, the communication side of things. And I'll put you in the shoes of a hypothetical enterprise team member who I'm sure you've sat next to on many an occasion, either in Zoom or in person. This person, maybe VP, maybe director or whatever it may be. You know, they've got some sway, they've got some power, they've, they've, they're pretty AI fluent, they understand the use cases, and they've got an AI project that they know darn well is in great alignment with the strategy of the business, and also really could make a measurable and powerful financial return on investment, but they've now got to win support. They've got to win support for other stakeholders and, and subject matter experts, they've got to win support of, of potentially IT and data science, and most importantly, Brett, they've got to win support of executives. They've got to get somebody high enough to say yes to this kind of thing. Where do you begin for advice with this person? Because here's this is really where we put communication in action. What does it look like to win support? So I'll tell you first what it doesn't look like, and it doesn't look like an right. ROI, and it doesn't look like an architecture, which is exactly where almost every CIO starts the diagram you know, starts the presentation is on either an architecture, like look how much better it's going to be, or an ROI, look how much cost we're going to cut. Everyone is trying to do better in their job. And it starts with understanding what does better look like for that individual stakeholder. So if their job is to retain people better or to retain customers or to get higher conversions or to improve margins or whatever the challenges are, the top, you can just ask him, what are the top three things that are bothering you for the next six months that you think your competitors can do better than you can? Or if you were to be replaced tomorrow and they hire someone from outside, what skill set will that person have that you don't? Like you got to really look at it in terms of what they feel as a threat to their job or a threat to their business or a concern they don't know how, you know, don't know how to solve. You got to look at it very much through the personal lens that way and then figure out how do data and AI help that person navigate that problem. And a lot of times people will say, well, yeah, God, I wish I had the data. If I only had the data, I could do that. 
that's where you need people who do understand how to get the data, what it could look like, and even build a little pilot and prove it to them. There's nothing better than coming up with, you know, with a, an example where you talk to a business stakeholder and say, I understand you, know, you have a margin issue and your products are coming from here and here, and you build a model and you show them, look, if we do make these decisions and make these changes, we can drive up two points of margin. And two points might be the difference between them being fired and replaced or getting a giant bonus, whatever the motivation is for them, that could be game-changing for them. So I found that the best, the best examples are personalized to a business stakeholder's objectives and fears and worries and goals, and then showcased with examples, whether it's real data or an example of data, but relevant to the outcome. And, and you will find people are like, wow, how did you do that? Could you do that for me? That's yeah. the outcome you want. Yeah, this is, you know, Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people style stuff here. You know, let, let's put it in mm-hmm. the, the language of what they care about. Obviously, we are talking about influence here. We're talking about getting ourselves to yes for a project that'll hopefully help the business. But to your point, it's not, hey, will this help the business? It's what matters to this person. Now, Bretta, I can imagine, you know, this hypothetical director person that you and I are talking about in this mm-hmm. metaphorical example. I can imagine them maybe not knowing their boss super well, but they, they know that their boss is, you know, has a couple core mandates that they need to pursue. Is the goal not to just know the big mandates of that person, but maybe to, to sort of have enough conversations about that person's priority to have a more dialed in version of it? Because you brought up some very nuanced things, for example, you know, and of course, it'd be very hard for maybe to ask this directly of a boss. But, you know, if some if they were if if the company was to bring in somebody else in your role to do an even better job, you know, what skills would they have that you wouldn't, or what would they do that you wouldn't? These are getting at like bigger, meatier things. You know, what, what specifically is this person nervous about? What is a risk for them in their job? What are they paying attention to right now? Does it behoove us to tease out more of that than their title and placard would indicate? Because we can probably glean what they're responsible for just based on where they sit in the company, but how do we tease out the rest of it? So it requires an open-ended dialogue and a style of communication which mirrors your understanding of data and its capability and AI and its capability to business objectives. So it's not just getting to know the person, having them tell you what their performance criteria are. It's asking them open-ended questions, getting them talking about what they wish they could be doing for the business, what they fear their competitors might be doing, what would really be game-changing in the annual report. What are the kinds of things that you think would move the needle? And you get people talking, and then you continually bring them some context as to how, a, how data or AI might address a problem like that. And it doesn't mean every problem is solved with data, because that's not the case. But it does require that you put yourself in their shoes enough to understand the types of things they're aspiring to, and have enough knowledge about data and AI to know how it could help that problem. And then continue to kind of listen engage and be very open-ended in the dialogue. People will surprisingly tell you pretty much everything as soon as you get them to realize that you care, you might be able to help, and you want to understand. And then when you do that and they start to open up, you're in your mind mapping, well, could this be better with data? Don't propose anything that isn't because you'll lose all credibility in discussion, but be really, really practical. I think we could do something with this. I'd love to try to do that. I know someone who did this. They'll either bite on it or not. And if they're remotely interested, go off and do the homework. 
go off and see if you can build a pilot or a model or an example or find an example that was already done and come back with it and say, look, this is what you described. I think it could be this much better if we brought in external data about you know, customer locations and, and, and things like that and, and use that to provide a better prediction and show them the data, show them what can be done. Yeah. So, okay. Well, really, really important, this whole idea of kind of mixing, you know, the conveyance of expertise with kind of this genuine, I'd like to know frame of the conversation. And then to your point, being able to bring back an example, hey, this has been done. This is what this looks like. Here's what the possibilities could be for us. And also making it clear, every word I'm saying is based on Mr. You know, Mr. Boss in this case, or Mrs. Boss in this case, whoever it is. This is based on what you have explicitly said you really care about and the needles that you really want to move. So sort of conveying like the, I listened, I found results for the stuff that you're working on, and here's where I think I could help. Let me know if you would amend that that quick nutshelling there. I, I love it. And I think what, what I would add to that is the idea that for most people, this is the first time they're doing it in their current job. Yeah. So for those of us who do this every day with companies around the world, you're bringing in perspective. You've seen it before. Nobody wants to be first and no one wants to risk their job on an unproven you know, data project that you know, might not deliver results. They want something that will very likely deliver results and deliver results that are new and insightful. So working with people who've done it before or who've done it in other industries or in other companies in your same industry is a way to sort of level up and to not try to do this on your own. And there's a lot of risk involved in these projects and you need to know that it's going to work. And so engaging people who've done it before, engaging people who have experience or perspective from the industry just helps you level up and, and have a better chance of success and a faster impact on the business. All right. And yeah, no, it, well, it makes sense. Obviously, as a service provider, you guys are a part of that ecosystem and there's there's so many components there. I mean, there's networking groups between chief data officers or people in different roles, there's podcasts like this. I think learning from people that have been there is without a doubt, you know, there's so many ways to get that done. And it's it's an important part of kind of skipping the line. And like you said, there's a little bit too much at risk to to just try to wing it on your own. And so I think that's, that's sage advice. In, in terms of the final bit here, Brett, for winning buy-in, obviously very critical to communicate with execs. And you do a lot of that, which is why I have you as part of the series and why I was excited about your perspective. Once we've got that, there there are still sort of subject matter experts, data science folks, IT folks, you know, there's still kind of battles to be fought or, or, you know, other folks to kind of win over and kind of bring to the cause of a good project that deserves to come to life. What advice do you have after the, you know, executives feel like they're really kind of behind it? What else do we have to consider for buy-in? I love this point. I love this point because everyone thinks that the exec buy-in is the end of the game and it's really just the start of the race. Yeah. The reality is that there are so many tech stakeholders inside the business who have built up their career on an old legacy technology, do not understand the new one and will fight to the death to prevent change in order to protect what they know really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? And then there's also the, the religious battles that occur within a company when someone loves one tech and someone loves another tech, and they will, again, battle to the end to prove their approach is better and becomes the standard for the enterprise. Those two scenarios are tough. And on the first scenario, on the people who are dug in on the legacy technology. I still think of my very first transformation project when I was really young in business. And the guy, Vince, who fought me every day on implementing <laughs> a data warehouse project, I just started having lunch with him. 
And then I started getting him through some classes. And he became the strongest advocate for the new approach by far. Once he felt he was listened to, respected, we took the time to educate him. We made him a true ally. And it wasn't that we had to change him. We had to enable him. And once he saw what we saw, and he brought what he knows from the past, because he knows the system better than anybody. He just didn't know the new approach. Once he could apply the t- one to the other, you know, he was the advocate. You know, getting people to feel comfortable that the future of their career and all the stuff they invested in building the legacy system is not lost. It is just the foundation for the next level. Yeah, it, it rings true somewhat with the original series. I think we had you in on, on our other show that had to do with kind of discovering AI projects with leadership. And I think it was you had actually touched on kind of this co-creation frame where even if you are maybe bringing a little bit more to the table with AI, you don't want to do so in a way that feels like it's lecturing. And you also really want to put a lot of emphasis on respecting the unique expertise of that person and what they're bringing to the table and see it as kind of two people moving around pieces on the board, as opposed to one person kind of unloading. And it sounds like sometimes that takes some lunches to get it done. It does lunch, coffee, whatever it takes to get people to feel to feel respected in the job because they created the business that exists today. Yeah. And they can be a part of, of the next performance level of the business using new tech applied with their existing business knowledge can be very powerful. Got it. So we, we get the buy-in from the leadership, but like you said, that's the beginning of the journey. The additional advice here is, hey, think about who else is really an important enabler or barrier and make sure we build those warm person to person level relationships to basically tell me if I'm wrong here, Brett, understand them at that personal, what matters to you? What do you care about level? The same exact thing you did to leadership, find to anybody else who's a big enabler and or potential barrier, IT subject matter or otherwise. Is that safe to say? It is. I think the technique evolves as you go from executive to the technical SME within the business, and then ultimately out to the business, to the consumers in the business, to the to the people who use the data or the systems. Yeah, you still need to understand them, but the skill set then becomes one of how do you enable the workflow they do to be better than what it was before, and you know, not to lose capability they had that they were reliant on, and then to enable some new things they couldn't do before. And so it's it gets much more practical as you get into the end user. There's more of them. You don't want their resistance. You want them to pull and, and be excited. Yeah. You also need to set reasonable expectations with them and then also make sure you're not they're not losing something they had and they're actually better at their jobs as a result of the new capability. Yeah. So for for every group, pay that same stakeholder honor and attention that you done with that initial leader who you really needed for just the budget side, even when it comes to just the broader base of users. Easier said than done, Brett, but great guidance for the folks who are going to head out and and try to fight this fight, because I know you've done it many times, which is exactly why I brought you on the program to share some thoughts. So I know that's all we have for time in this episode, but I sincerely appreciate you joining us again, Brett. Thank you, as always. Thank you, Dan. If you appreciated Brett's insights on today's show, don't worry, there's plenty more where that came from. As we mentioned in the introduction to the show, this is just the second episode in a very special series we're running at the last Wednesday of every month for the next few months about winning executive buy-in. Go ahead and log on to 
podcast.emerge.com. Again, that's podcast, singular, no extra S, dot emerge.com or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to tune into episode one with Amaresh Tripathi. Senior Vice President and Global Business Leader at GenPact. He joins Emerge CEO and Head of Research Daniel Fagella, just like today's show, to talk about the importance of fluency in data and business operations among enterprise leadership. Later, Amaresh offers a framework for cooperatively assessing an organization's capacity for innovation in scale. Very, very cool stuff. On behalf of Daniel and the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for tuning into today's show, and we'll catch you next time on the AI and Business Podcast.